Welcome to WVYC's Perspectives. This is an up-close look at the students, faculty, and administrators who make your college unique. This weekly show shines a spotlight on the programs and people here at YCP. This week's host is Jeffrey Schiffman. Welcome to WVYC's Perspectives, and today we are going to be talking with author, editor from Salon, and also a college professor uh, from the University of Baltimore. His name is Dee Watkins. Uh, he is also a Baltimore native. First of all, thank you for joining us, and 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 also coming up to the college. Uh, Dee is uh, the author, um, the writer in residence here at the college, and we really are are thrilled that you can come up here and and, and spend some time with us. But I'm I'm thankful for the invitation. Um, anything that's going to just promote art and writing and um, people telling stories is just always like it's what makes the world a better place. Like we put a lot of weight in a lot of different things when we're talking about evolving society and connecting people with story and the personal things that we connect with. These are the things that that bring us together. So um, anytime I get to participate in that, I'm lucky and blessed to be here. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Uh, D has a new book out. It's called. We Speak for Ourselves, A Word from Forgotten Black America. Uh, by His third book, by the way, the uh, first two were um, uh, New York Times bestsellers. Let's talk about the book a little bit. What, what, what message are you trying to uh, transmit with the, the book? So the book is about it's bringing the conversation back to the power of direct service. I think with social media, we created this world where people feel like if they tweet about an issue or if they post about an issue, they don't actually have to put their phones out and go out and connect with people. Um, helping somebody, you know, everybody in Baltimore, Baltimore was flipped upside down after Freddie Gray was killed, um, which, was, which was a very horrible incident. And everybody was running around talking about justice for Freddie. We love you, Freddie. We miss you, Freddie. And I'm just standing there like, okay, there's a million kids like Freddie Gray all over the place. And if you really want to make a difference, you let's just get together and help them find gainful employment or, you know, give them some advice on, you know, uh, help them with their resume or how do you, how do you tie a tie or, you know, job culture or whatever. But like, we can't just sit around and cheer for people when they die and fight against the systems um, that pick them apart when we are here and alive and we're able to make these changes now. It's certainly uh, the whole uh, uh, incident and, and well, that was uh, the spring of 2015, as I yep, remember. Yeah, uh, certainly changed the city, put a spotlight on Baltimore, and and I think that spotlight is still on Baltimore. And so, do you and and have you seen any change that's occurred in the last you know four or five years in in the in the city of Baltimore? It seems to me that a lot of people are saying there hasn't been any change. There has been a spotlight. Um, and a lot of people are seeing a lot of negative things um, that happen, but no, we haven't had any systemic systemic change because of um, you know the leadership hasn't figured it out. Um, another new police commissioner, another new mayor, <laughs> and then we'll probably get another new mayor. So um, the leadership hasn't really gotten it together. But what I will say is a whole lot of people who love the neighborhoods and the communities have stepped up and um, played more of a role in trying to groom as many kids as they can away from the streets and violence and stuff like that. Yeah, we talked about that, you know, because uh, I, I spent a lot of time covering uh, uh, Baltimore sports, and so I know the city pretty well. You're obviously a Baltimore native. Where do you think, where is it going to have to be those little small little uh, things that happen in a community, maybe in a school, maybe with a teacher, maybe with somebody like you, kind of pushing everybody up so that it becomes more of a groundswell over time? 
Absolutely. That's 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 key. But also we those of us who, who care and who are actively doing this work. And you have to tell this to myself sometimes because we, we are living in a time where everything's so instant. Change is an instant. It takes a long time. Um, these systems weren't broken overnight and they're not going to be able to be fixed. Um, so I, I am optimistic and I do think that we can get to a place where um, people are working and, 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 and happy and experiencing social mobility and having great experiences. But it's just it's, it's going to take some time. And um, I, I'm, in it, I'm in it for the long haul. We're talking with author D. Watkins. He is the uh, York College writer in residence. Let me ask you this. Did you in, ever envision yourself as a writer? And also, uh, did you ever envision yourself as a college professor? Because you can make a difference that way, too. No, when I was when I was a kid, I, I thought I hated books, um, and I didn't <laughs> want to be anywhere near a school. I never thought I would be spending the rest of my life in and around schools. So um, I'm very thankful for that. Um, I, someone gave me a book that spoke directly to me and my story, and instantly I became a reader. And when I became a reader, everything in my life changed. Um, all of the negative things that I was involved in didn't really seem important. And my neighborhood that I never left started to seem really small. And I learned how to think critically and make good decisions and and was inspired and encouraged to see different parts of the world and things started happening for me. And then they also started happening for the people around me because of books and, and what books did for me. So what what's your message? What, what's your first message? If you get in front of a kid, a bunch of kids from East Baltimore and and you have a message. What's your first message to them? So I'm I'm in front of them a lot, and I always tell them that reading is as important as water. You know, you you must read if you if you don't want to be ripped off by so many people who are in and around our neighborhoods who prey on people who you know with the payday loans and the car used car loans and this and that. Like if you don't want to be caught up in that, that's just step one. Surviving your ecosystem and where you have to come up at and you have to read, you have to learn how to think and you have to learn how to navigate and you'll never be able to navigate and make good decisions if you're not a reader. And the more you read, the more you know, and the more you'll be able to um, construct the reality that would be something that you will be proud to live in, something that you can be proud of. So that, that's, that's, my, that's my first message. I'm betting that some of these kids give you pushback. They give me a lot of pushback. And one thing, um, so two things I got going for me. Um, Three things. One, I'm from the neighborhood. Two, I don't make a school visit because it's Black History Month. I don't make a school visit because there's a check. I make school visits because I care. And I know that authors and people who worked in television and college professors weren't coming to my schools when I was a kid. So I didn't know those professions existed. So I had to be there. And three, um, the third thing I have going for me is that a lot of them, um, probably about 99.99999% love all three of my books. They love my books. So when they read my books and they see some of the things I've been through, or they read the books and they see their uncle mentioned, or they see a neighborhood mentioned, then they connect with it in a different way. And now reading becomes a part of them in their journey. And that just gives me... Um, the luxury of, of coming in with instructions and, and advice and, and love and they receive it because they know, okay, this guy, he's not just here because he's, you know, some type of youth pastor trying to get enough youth pastor credits to be able to open a youth pastor church. He's here not to say there's anything wrong with youth pastors or ones who don't <laughs> preach to youth, but 
but they know that I'm there because I care and that I want to I don't want to I don't want to look up and see them on the news, you know, something unless it's for something good. Right. When you wrote that for your your first book and 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 your it's pretty dramatic. Mm-hmm. When you wrote that book, what were you th- who were you trying to uh, who was the message for? And maybe maybe was it for everybody? So the message the so my my first book actually was 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 the cook up but it came out second um my book the book that came out first was the b side but the cook up is the one that 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 has those messages and it was it was for people like me who were raised to think that selling drugs was like honorable and something you could be proud of and you know and it gave you some type of bravado and resiliency and you know it made you this person that people should respect and how wrong and how flawed those ideas are, how these ideas are passed down to us. And, you know, like I said, when I was coming up, there was the drug dealers and there was like people who worked for the city and people who worked for the city were actually on the truck working. So we're in contact with criminals all day. So me and my friends who are in our community, we try our best to go to as many schools as possible and to be around those kids as much as possible because now it just gives them more options. They're not just seeing this glamorous or want to be glamorous criminal all the time. They're seeing somebody who comes from the neighborhood, but who is following their dreams and living them in a positive way. And I think um, that message is for them to show that it's not how you start, it's how you finish and that you can make it through all of that stuff and still do something meaningful with your life. We're talking with author D. Watkins. He is the author in uh, residence or writer in residence here at your college. Let me let me ask you. Obviously, you know Baltimore is 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 your your base. You know where your world revolves around. But I think it, it. Do you think your message could play to any inner city minority kid in the country? Yeah, in a city or not really in a city. Anybody who feels like they're born into a place where they'll never be able to accomplish anything. Anybody who feels like their talent is too small or, you know, their culture is laughed at or not really fully considered. You can be in the middle of Indiana somewhere. You could be in North or South Dakota, like, and the message still resonates. Um, uh, Not only are we capable of doing great things, but we're also capable of staying in our communities and sharing these skills with people in our community. We don't have to have success and run to New York and run to L.A., we could stay in our hometown and we can share these skills with people who feel like they can't excel. Um, so I think um, anybody who's into that type of message and who's who follows, um, you know, I'm not a motivational speaker and I'm not like uh, you're doing know, pretty good. I'm not. I mean, I'm not I don't have a reputation as like Joe positive. Like I really I highlight the good things and the bad things in government and the good things and bad things in this country. And I talk about how we can collectively work through them. But still, the opportunities there and. We can accomplish these things, but, you know, we, we, we have to know that it's possible. And I think um, one of the main messages, you know, especially especially in the cook-up is, um, you know, never look down on a person unless you're pulling them up and work hard and, 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 and understand where you come from and how you got there, but understand that it doesn't have to end that way. Who are your inspirations? My biggest inspiration ever is my grandma um, because, you know, she was the one who told me lift as you climb. She was the one who told me that, um, you know, it, it, it takes a village and that, you know, we, we, regardless if you go left or if you go right, 
each path is going to be full of roses and thorns and you're going to have to figure out a way to deal with it. There's no shortcuts. There's no easy way out. So like, you know, a lot of them, a lot of the things she instilled in me, they didn't, I didn't really get it when I was young because, you know, it was just coming across as just talk. But when I got older, I realized that was the foundation that most of my beliefs came from and, and why <laughs> I, I need, I need to be, I need to be doing something impactful. And that's anything like from like I was, you know, before the books, I was a tutor before um, before um, the books and the television stuff. I was um, a mentor. I'm still a mentor. Like I'm I'm still going to jails like I'm still I'm still doing these things that, that need to be done to make sure that people are, are just having examples. Sometimes it just you, people just need to see somebody else do it and connect with them to know that it can be something they can do, too. In that in that role, and and then talking about people that have been inspiring to you, is there a message that you can use from you know you to somebody? Let's say, hey, look, I you know I took what my grandmother taught me and what she said to me, and I translated it into something. Let's let's hone in on you and try and find something that you can can lift you up. Do you use yeah. that? Absolutely. Um, and I, one thing I do, which a lot of people in my position don't really do is like, I own my mistakes. Like, look, mm, yeah. I've made a bunch of stupid mistakes. I've done some terrible things. Um, what I write up, what I wrote about in my older books is like, not what I write about in my newer work because I've led, like I've, my life is different now. So I'm drawn from different experiences. Um, my new book is all about joy and um, the joy I felt and the joy that 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 I discovered when I when I got married and when we found out we were having a child, this was like a whole different a whole different world for me. So it's like the kid who is being inspired by some of the stuff I've been through on the streets is might not be the kid that's going to connect with this book, but maybe if the kid who read about what I've been through in the streets is now telling his story about what he's trying to get through or what he's been through, then he's going to be that new person to reach those people. And I'm going to be there to mentor him to make sure he makes the right decisions in the art world, makes the right decisions as far as like how to structure and put himself in position to be able to deliver that message. And then he's going to do that for somebody else because he's going to be able to, um, you know, like my new, I'm working on a television show right now. Um, that's like, um, a six series drama about um these crooked cops in Baltimore the gun trace task force and that like doesn't really have anything to do with the work I was doing four years ago. I'm writing Carmelo Anthony's memoir for him, which wow. is a whole different like a, it's and yeah. and a Baltimore kid. I think maybe yeah. a lot of people don't remember that oh, that yeah, Carmelo definitely, was, definitely yeah. he, well he, he he moved to Baltimore when he was eight, but right. you know Baltimore's he's a, a Baltimore he's kid. a Baltimore kid. Yeah. <laughs> Let let's talk about and and you and I before we we started to talk, we talked a little bit about this. One of the things that we both saw during the the past year you uh you know from in town but we saw uh how an athlete and a role model i i think maybe we would agree that he probably is a lamar jackson in baltimore how it just raised up the profile and and the i i think about how people felt so much better about the city now i know that you know we both have commiserated mm -hmm. about the fact that you know they lost the first uh their first game in the playoffs but uh, talk about that a little bit, How what you've seen with that. You know, one thing I love about, about Lamar Jackson and the type of person and type of athlete he is, is um, so one, he has amazing God-given talent. Oh. It's no secrets. Freakish, <laughs> freakish talent. Absolutely. Like, freakish talent. Um, but what's beautiful about it is he doesn't let that talent 
he doesn't allow that talent to keep him from being connected to people. He goes out into neighborhoods and he and he he loves the town and he you know he loves people in and around Baltimore and he and he and he shows love and I just think that like we've had some big names you know athletes in Baltimore in the past who wouldn't even think about going to some of the places where Lamar goes. Um, he's he's just a special person and I think um his humility, um. In addition to his skill set, is just it's giving a whole lot of people in the city hope, man. You know, it's making people um know that you know we're the underdog, but you know we we we're gonna be okay. It's gonna take some time, but we're gonna get it together. D. Watkins, the name of the uh, new book is "We Speak for Ourselves: A Word from Forgotten Black America." Uh, just a third book by a third book in five years, and you said you're working on more writing. Yeah, I've got um. So I'm writing a young adult novel and I'm, I'm taking some time with it. So um, I didn't sign a deal for that yet. Um, I'm just, you know, um, I'm taking it. And this, 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 the, yeah, the YA novel I'm working on is just dealing with um, a victim who is seeking out other victims of gun violence. Um, they're trying to spread a message on um, the after effect of what, what guns have done to communities and spaces. So I think um, it's going to be it's going to be heavy, but I think it's it's just a conversation that we need to have. You know, a lot of times when something with guns happens and it's and it's bad, the first thing you hear is people talking about, "Well, don't take my guns." And then the other side is like, "We need to have a gun laws," but nobody's really sitting down and, and listening and talking to victims and understanding where the frustration and the anger comes from. And I'm not even talking about the actual you know, people being hit, but like people trying to piece their lives back together. It's, it's, it's a lot. So I'm working on that. Um, I just got done working on the HBO documentary about a police officer that I investigated, um, who was in prison now. <laughs> so that's, that should be coming out. Um, that should be coming out even into this year, or early next year. Um, I got a chance to work on a film that Will Smith and Jada Pinkins company Overbrook just did in Baltimore about dirt bikes. And, um, it's called Chomp City Kings. And, oh yeah. Um, I've, I've yeah, seen, just, I've seen some of it for, for yeah. it. That's cool. So I, I got a chance to be a consultant producer on that. And that was like my first chance actually ever being able to work on a film. And you know, it's crazy cause I signed that deal back in like 2015 <laughs> and I actually didn't get the chance to work on it until 2018. So I kind of forgot about it. So that's cool. And then, um, I'm writing a memoir on joy. Um, I just, we just closed that deal this week and I'm, I'm talking about how, you know, you can live in a place where the main conversation is trauma and some of the happiness and coping mechanisms and love that comes out of these places and how we can hone on that and focus on that and try to make that a bigger part of the conversation and the effort to to spread more love, you know, in like a non-corny way. You know what I'm saying? Hey, <laughs> you know, any way that we can improve the lives of anybody, everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I think if everybody gets lifted up, it's it's a it, it's it's better for for all of us. And, and and we could cut this off, and we could also talk. I write for, a lot. I write a lot. I'm writing a lot. <laughs> we could also probably talk for two hours too. Let me let me ask you this: the 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 climate that we are in in our country. You mentioned one thing that the, you know everybody wants things to be fixed immediately, mm-hmm. but the climate that we're in, in this country, it seems as though we are. You know, it's there's a, a a line, and you're either on one side of the line or on the other side of the line. No one wants to meet in the middle. Is that something that? Uh, is there any way that we can address that? 
So I think I think it's just it's not inspiring and it's just it makes me kind of sad when, um, you know, when we have so many people who have huge platforms and are just promoting that togetherness is something that we can't achieve. It's uninspiring. Like, I think that this country has worked so hard. People in this country have worked so hard. Collectively, we all work so hard to overcome so much and to still be a place that is is considered the greatest the greatest country the greatest country and, and but we're sitting here like children and like people can't talk like if you're from a different community a different religion different political party you, they, we're acting like we can't communicate and I, I just think it's uninspiring and I just hope and pray that we can we can get past that um gonna be a tough year yeah this year. I'm, and I'm willing and you know and so and one thing I, I can do all I can do is lead by example so whenever I get invited to have any conversation on any platform like I used to um when I first started out I would I, I don't really go on I don't do the comment the news commentary stuff anymore because it's just not my thing but when I started out I wouldn't go on Fox because I used to I felt like I you know initially I felt like um it was just going to be me fussing against another person. And I didn't think that was productive, but then I realized that I needed to go all these places and I needed to hear, you know, what they're talking about. Then I also need to say how I feel. So even if it becomes something that looks chaotic, at least there's two different people with two different perspectives and ideologies listening to each other. And that's how we take a step forward. I'm doing an event with David Brooks like next week. And David Brooks has a history of writing some things that were, um, you know, more not as different from what I write about. But at the same time, when they reached out to me about doing this event, it was about having that greater conversation and everybody moving forward. So, you know, you got to lead by example and you got to go in places where people won't go and have conversations that people are scared to have. And I think um, even if that conversation looks like it's going nowhere, I, I still think it is because somebody's paying attention and somebody's watching and we can we can move forward with that. D. Watkins, thank you very much. Loved having you here. It was great talking with you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for WVYC's Perspectives. The program airs weekly on Mondays and Fridays at 9 o'clock. Public Affairs program is also available as a podcast at wvyc.podbean.com. Jeffrey Schiffman serves as the Executive Director of Perspectives. We hope you join us again for this in-depth look at the York College community.